Mrs. Troublefield, could you please take the roll call? Mr. Cannon? Here. Mr. Cathell? Here. Mr. Collins? Here. Dr. Darmstadtler? Here. Dr. Hattier? Mr. Layfield? Here. Mr. Peden? Mrs. Pryor? Here. Dr. Statler? Here. Mrs. Wright? Here. We have a quorum. If I could ask everyone to please rise for the pledge. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. You may be seated. Do I have a motion to approve the agenda of August the 19th, 2020? So moved. Motion made. Second. Is there a second? Made, motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? All those in favor? Aye. 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 All those opposed? Motion passes by unanimous vote. Public comments. The first section of public comments will be held until after Dr. Owen speaks, and we will extend that 15 minutes to a total of 30 minutes at the, before the conclusion of the board meeting after Dr. Owens' presentation. New business. Dr. Owens, reopening the schools. Good evening, everyone. Um, thank you all for joining us here, those that are joining us uh, in person, uh, those that are joining us virtually. We do have um, others joining us from our staff and any carryover that we may need in the cafeteria. So I want to thank you all for, for being with us this evening. Uh, the purpose for our, our presentation tonight is to share information that we've been working on for quite some time. Uh, when we broke uh, in March for the pandemic, we immediately turned to remote learning for our staff and finished out the school year. Once the school year concluded, we rapidly shifted gears to planning for uh, the start of this current school year, our 2021 school year. Uh, with that, I want to thank some folks. Um, we have uh, started with three committees. That was uh, almost 50 people in the collectively as part of those three committees that looked at our operations, our health and wellness, and our instructional elements. And uh, those folks were invaluable with giving us a head start on uh, what would be released from the state. The state did release some guidance. Once they did that, we quickly uh, combined those three committees into one large committee that has worked uh, twice a week for about a, a month and a half now to get to the point where we are now with this reopening committee, or this reopening and reimagining uh, document. So we're very pleased with that, and I want to thank all the hard work and effort that went in uh, to this uh, from our staff. Um, it's a, a, a tremendous amount of work, and uh, we're pleased with what we, we have to present today. Um, that said, the, the, this board uh, challenged us uh, a couple months ago with looking at uh, the plans that were outlined by the governor and uh, trying to meet that criteria with a hybrid plan. That's what we've prepared for you this evening, and uh, we will go through and present in detail I'll take uh, questions along the way from the board as you, as they, they arrive, and um, we'll move through. And then again, um, some comments there at the end from our public. So 
Page two of our document is our table of contents. You can see that we've um, outlined this, this document in, in several sec sections, health and wellness, excuse me, health and safety, student well-being, instruction, technology, and transportation. Page two of our document is a, a brief overview, as I've provided tonight, but to our families. Um, an overview of what we've been uh, working on through our committee work. Page three reviews the three scenarios as outlined by the governor on August 3rd. Currently, we are still in scenario two, minimal to moderate community spread. Within that scenario, we are able to outline a plan that is hybrid in nature, and that's what we've laid out today. So we're aware of the, the models. Um, our next page shows IRSD Remote Academy and outlines how learning will look, which is completely virtual, assigned a teacher and provided class schedules, learning is synchronous and asynchronous, Students are provided feedback throughout the learning process and grades are calculated uh, via our grading policy. The hybrid model is students learn both in school and virtually. Uh, they're assigned a teacher, obviously, uh, synchronous and asynchronous learning and provided feedback all along the way and utilize our current grade policy. So further down the, the bottom quarter of that page uh, is our September calendar that we're proposing this evening. Uh, we're proposing a slow roll-in beginning with pre-K to first grade. Uh, that allows those students who are most in need of teacher support to start in the school with minimal uh, other students and the complete support of our staff to begin the school year. Uh, we've learned uh, throughout this process that our youngest learners are the ones that really need that support of a teacher. So that is where we will be starting on September 17th and 18th. Cohort B students are Thursdays and Fridays, and cohort A students, which is half the students, are on Mondays and Tuesdays. Wednesday is a virtual learning day for all students. That would continue through the week of the 21st and the week of the 28th. Once we reach October 5th, we would add in second and third grade for cohort A for Monday and Tuesday. Thursday and Friday would also be pre-K to third. Again, that second and third grade are added. And that would continue again through the following week, the week of the 12th. Once we reach October 19th, we add in the remainder of our elementary students as well as sixth grade. We thought it important for that sixth grade cohort, which will be joining the middle school for the first time, we wanted them to be able to come into the school without the remaining students for that first week to really get them acclimated to that new environment. So that would be the week of October 19th. And then once we reach the 18th, excuse me, October 26th, we would bring in seventh and eighth grade. So at that point, we would have pre-K through eighth grade for that entire week, A cohort, B cohort, collectively. Into November, we would continue pre-K through eighth. And November 9th, we would add in ninth grade. Again, with the same rationale for sixth grade, we would bring in ninth grade uh, alone for the high school so they have a chance to acclimate to the school, our new procedures, uh, and uh, have an opportunity to be with their teachers 
just as a ninth grade group that would continue through the 18th and wherever we are as in the state of Delaware and if the governor is still permitting scenario two, we would roll in all the remaining students on November 19th that are on the hybrid model. Again, keep in mind our remote students would remain remote and they have that option as well. I'll pause there. We may have some questions uh, from the board in terms of our first marking period assignments. Was it considered to run the elementary, middle, and high school parallel start, like the pre-K to one, sixth grade, then ninth grade, to get them all started at the same time and then phase it in over a month versus two months? Yes, we, we thank you for that. We, we have looked at that question. Um, when we, we look at our teams, there was some concern about our ability to make sure we have a robust remote opportunity for our secondary students. Those students can access remotely uh, more efficiently than our younger students. So we wanted to make sure we had a, a very um, strong remote learning opportunity. We recognized in the spring when we broke, although we spent a lot of time um, trying to make sure we had a good remote um, learning process for our students, we understood that a lot more work needed to go into that. So by doing, uh, by slowly rolling in sixth and ninth grade, our secondary students, we feel we can have a strong remote um, presence for them prior to bringing them in full time. Okay, I will, uh, certainly we can come back to that if we have any additional questions, but I'll, um, at this point. Dr. Owens, before we yes, move sir. forward, I just, I've listened to what you said, I've read through this, but I just wanna make the parents and the staff aware. This is called a hybrid model. However, there are no high school students that are going to be returning to the high school for other than remote learning for the whole first quarter with this plan, correct? Ninth grade would return uh, the week of November 9th, uh, through that first, uh, that, sec that half week into the 18th. We did move, adjust the end of the marking period to the 18th. Well, that's the proposal. Um, so those students would come in. However, the 10th, 11th, and 12th would not roll in until the 19th. You are correct with that. Thank you for clarifying that. Appreciate mm -hmm. it. One other question. Um, expectations from the staff and teachers, administrators. Um, during this rollout, where will the staff from the other schools be? Will they be working from in the school, from home, or a mixture of both? Yes, under this current model, staff would be in Monday and Tuesday. They would work remotely on Wednesday as we prepare the school, clean the school, make sure we're prepared for our next cohort. But all students would be in providing that remote element. The synchronous learning allows for students to log in and visit with their teacher on a live basis so they would be in with all of their instructional resources at their disposal. Okay, at this point, we'll move into our uh, health and safety section. Uh, Mrs. Blanard, would you please uh, go through the next couple pages here with review of face coverings, hygiene, and health safety screening. As, as Dr. Owens mentioned, the work of the stakeholder groups with the reopening plan involved detailed consultation with our Delaware Public Department of Health, 
Dr. Conti has been our liaison. He's been an invaluable resource in supporting this work. And then we've also continually utilized the returning to school guidance documents that was produced by the Delaware State Department of Education. So we have been grounding ourselves in the research to make sure that the plan meets all of the requirements. As you know, our top priority is the um, safety of our students and staff. Move a little closer to that. There we go. As you know, our priority is the um, safety of our students and staff. That is our foremost priority with this plan. And we also want to maintain a goal of providing high quality education with equitable outcomes and access for our learners. And so the draft reopening plan is divided into five sections. We know you had a chance to peruse it prior to this evening's meeting, but what we'd like to do is provide a very high level overview of each of the sections. So the first section is where we have the most questions coming from our stakeholder groups, and that is centered around health and safety. So this is where we provided information regarding required face coverings for all students and staff, and we talk about hygiene protocols that will involve frequent hand washing opportunities as well as hand sanitizer use in classrooms and common areas. We also speak to the social distancing recommendation of six feet, and we are going to adhere to that in IRSD. The guidelines talk about three to six feet. We are maintaining six feet social distancing in our classrooms, in our hallways, and in our common areas. We also know that students may require outdoor mask breaks, and we will provide those with social distancing in place and again outside of the school building. We do have a detailed section on the health status and monitoring, and we know that's really on everyone's minds right now as you think about safety of children and staff in our buildings. So again, the work with the CDC and the um, State Department, Dr. Conti as our liaison, has really provided very detailed guidance for us. We do have a self-screening tool that all students and staff members will complete daily before they arrive on site. You saw that screening tool this evening as you arrive for the board meeting. That will be utilized by our staff. We also have a detailed decision tree that speaks to how we will handle a potential case or situation that involves COVID-19. And so it's important to note that with the decision tree, we will be in close consultation with DPH epidemiologists to really make sure that they are guiding the work. This will not be guided solely by our school nurses and our administrators. We will be in close consultation with our public health department officials. They will engage in contact tracing. They will engage in notification for families as appropriate and we will continue to maintain confidentiality of any student or staff impacted while also maintaining transparency in informing our community or staff of a situation where we want them to keep an eye on students and staff members. Additionally, we have very um, detailed cleaning protocols and ventilation requirements in place. Again, the CDC has provided very structured guidelines for what that will look like. We have been working with our school-based administrators to vet cleaning checklists. We know that we'll need to look at custodial staffing 
to make sure that we have appropriate staff on site to ensure the cleaning protocols that are outlined. And we will be providing checklists at the elementary, middle, and high school levels to make sure that we have the rotations that follow the CDC guidelines that you see in the school reopening plan. Section two is centered on student well-being. And this is where we speak to our meal distribution services and what that will look like for students that are in either a hybrid or a remote learning environment. We'll continue to have our meals to go service, which is contactless delivery of food to students to ensure that meal distribution remains a priority. In this section, we also speak to the emotional and well-being of not only our staff, but our families and our, and our students. And so we know that the pandemic has definitely had an impact on families in various ways. So there will be a mental health liaison at each school available to provide on-site services for staff, students, and family members, but also to conduct outreach with various agencies to make sure that we keep emotional and mental health and well-being of our students, families, and staff at the forefront of our planning. Thank you, Mrs. Blannard. We'll again pause any questions with social distancing, masks, general health safety, emotional wellness, or cleaning. I do have a question, and I, this is probably somebody with more of a medical expertise. But from what I've been reading and looking through, it is recommended for six feet, but it's mandated for three with masks, unless I'm misinterpreting something. We have crowding issues in our schools, and I think the six foot obviously doubles our problem. Has there been any discussion of the three foot with masks, or are we being told by medical personnel that that's not a good direction to go into? Good question. We have received that. The recommendation is six with an option for three. So we are uh, hoping to be able to honor the six foot with the mask. All students would be required to wear that mask. And we would we are working on videos for our students on how to properly wear the mask and follow that criteria. If um, more students come in, we can then reevaluate whether three foot would be a, an option for us. Thank you. I think it's a very safe start, but at the same time, we're having success with students following the protocols of the mask, and we're looking to bring more students in. I would like us leaning forward in that option to be able to help with getting more students in the classroom with space, sir. Okay. Thank you. A question concerning the, um, the cleaning procedures, the, every, the high touch surfaces every 15 minutes to two hours. So that's essentially saying that the custodial staff would be required to do this probably four times during a, a working school day. Now, such things as light switches, doorknobs, does that mean they're gonna be interrupting the classes to come in to wipe them down? How, have you addressed that? I mean, are, is the staff, the teachers gonna to have to do some of that, share in that process, or? Our hope is, is that the custodial crew will be able to develop a schedule um, to go in in, com in conjunction with that teacher's schedule. At the elementary level, students will be um, staying put, the students will stay put, and the staff will come and rotate through. So there won't be a direct need for a wipe down at that point. However, when we get to the middle and high school, there will be more transitions occurring, so there will become a need for the potential um, for, staff, for custodials to come through. 
we will be leaning on our individual schools and principals to develop that schedule. Um, and as Mrs. Blannard uh, discussed, there will be a checklist to ensure that those areas do get um, clean per the, the recommendations. One other question. As far as uh, nursing goes, has, have the nurses been consulted on all this prior to the guidelines? Yes, our, our lead nurse, Mrs. Anna Miller, she's been a part of all of our committees all along the way. She's been a tremendous help. Uh, also, we mentioned earlier Dr. Conti, um, our DPH liaison, he's been a tremendous resource to us. We, we communicate with him almost daily about um, questions regarding the reopening procedures. That's been ongoing. He's been a tremendous assistance as well. Okay, because I can see definitely an increase in the need for custodial staff and possibly nursing staff. <clears throat> and for any students who are suspected of having these COVID-related symptoms when they're in the school, um, will the nurse's station room, will they have COVID testing to conduct there? We have not been given information that they will be conducting any kind of COVID testing on site. There is a protocol within the guidelines for a, a room to be available and we'll have that available in each school for students that, that meet those symptoms so we can keep them separated until we can get them home. Okay, our next section is uh, the instructional elements. Again, it's, our, uh, it's been our challenge since we broke in March to try to provide um, a more robust instructional model, whether that's um, remotely or uh, through our hybrid model. So I'll go through that briefly. We had done work around our standards through our Department of Instruction, so that work dovetailed nicely into um, beginning the development of these lessons that we'll, we'll work through uh, once students return, but they will be standards driven, meaningful opportunities to engage and connect with students and peers, whether it's virtual or in their classroom. Uh, we'll provide digital opportunities and hard copies if needed, and students will have the opportunity for that synchronous, that's your real time, and asynchronous, that's the self-pace where students log in uh, when, when um, at their convenience for learning opportunities as well. Feedback will be provided along the way and progress monitoring. We do recognize a need to review our attendance policy. Uh, there will be attendance taken throughout this process. Um, it will be evidenced through the participation in school facilitated virtual meetings and in person, in -person attendance. We will also be monitoring the completion of assignments. If students become sick uh, within that hybrid model, we will certainly uh, move quickly into the remote model where they can access that when needed. We want to make sure we are monitoring our progress along the way. One-on-one -on -one individualized instruction and virtual or face-to-face -face model will be available by appointment for certain students. We want to make sure we have our targeted interventions for support in place when we see students that are struggling. We want to make sure we connect them with our, our staff to ensure that their needs are being met. We have several platforms that we've used in the past. We tried to uh, look at all of those platforms and um, minimize those. We recognize that parents don't need a, a, a whole lot of platforms, especially if they have students at the elementary and secondary level. 
So we've locked into a couple of platforms that we want to use at each of those levels, and training will be provided um, to both the students and their families prior to uh, return this fall. Special education guidance. Uh, our goal is to contact all students with disabilities uh, via their case manager by September 15th. We want to find out where they are, their best way to learn, and if they need additional assistance uh, via their IEP or their needs in general, both speech, PT, occupational therapy. We want to uh, evaluate those needs and bring them in if possible and they're willing to come in, work with those students, or meet their needs virtually. So we will be meeting with our students with disabilities individually here over the next couple of weeks where contact will be made and then meetings will be set up with them uh, within that first marking period. I have a question about that. Yes, Dr. Hattier. Okay, um, is considering we have a fair amount of uh, special education folks, you said we're gonna be doing this all basically in, in the first few weeks of the, the school year. That's a lot of IEP reviews in a very short time period. And as it is, I know we have scheduling issues getting everybody into the same room at the same time. Okay, how are you guys planning on doing that? I mean, I'm in favor of this, don't get me wrong, but logistically, this sounds like it's a pretty heavy duty item. Yes, it's, um, I'm gonna ask Dr. Brittingham if she can uh, approach the podium. She's worked uh, with her staff a great deal on this. She can provide a little bit greater detail um, after those case managers make contact. Good evening, everybody. Um, what we are planning to do is, you are correct, it is going to be a very, very heavy lift, um, but the district is committed. We are aware that our special education students, some of them are not able to access the instruction virtually, and some of our most medically fragile students are not able to probably attend in a, in a hybrid situation due to their doctor's orders. So we are going to start with our most medically fragile students and work our way through. Um, our special ed coordinators are committed. Um, we don't have to necessarily convene an entire IEP team at the beginning. So we're gonna try to use our special ed case managers, our special ed coordinators, and whichever specialist there is the biggest deficit in. So we're gonna make by appointment, one-on-one um, -on -one individual sessions to try to progress monitor where the regression is and where we need to focus are the biggest amount of instruction as we work to bring them back hybrid. But you are correct, it is a big lift. And Dr. Brittingham, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think your team has already started to put together a plan of how, okay. Our so team has created a IEP recovery services worksheet that um, the case, so we're gonna divide out the case managers, um, our special ed teachers, that we're gonna start progress monitoring as soon as we hit the ground, whether the remote or hybrid. Um, we're gonna be paying people after hours as well. This goes into the recovery compensatory services that I spoke about two board meetings ago maybe. And so we are going to be paying people after hours to do this as well. Those that want to make the extra money so that our specialist um, will have, they'll be being paid for additional hours. Thank you for that because I just, this is a population that I worry about a lot because a lot of them have already lost a lot of services. Absolutely. Um, and you know, the, the, the gap between those kids and, and the rest of the kids is simply gonna grow if this does not come off properly. I mean, either way we have a problem, whether we go back in full or not, but it is gonna be a difficult situation. 
Absolutely. So we as a district realize, and I've been monitoring the chat as well, there's a lot of questions around special ed. Um, we, will be, we will be meeting with each individual family to come up with an individual recovery services plan. Dr. Birdingham, I just want to add to, I do appreciate the um, availability in the evening for families. I think that's really important. So thank you to your team for that. You're welcome. We're also going to be running Saturday camps after we get through the first couple weeks and see how everything goes. That is our plan as well. Okay. I do want this to take place, but I also would like to know where all the extra money is coming from. Um, we have um, set aside part of the CARES money for compensatory services, I think around $500,000 initially. So we're gonna start with that $500,000 and then anything else would be billed to um, the Individuals with Disability Education Act, our IDEA money that we get and our tuition money. Is that gonna cut into funds that we would normally be using for something else though? Um, not the first $500,000 after that potentially. All right, has the governor offered any assistance to any school district in this area? Not at this time. Thank you. You're welcome. Any additional questions for me? Thank you. I will add that the uh, Department of Special Services has a hotline. The number is listed there on our screen, 302-604-2121. And that, uh, that provides an opportunity for parents to call in if they have some questions that they'd like answered. So uh, I believe that hotline is monitored during business hours. Okay, moving down through the document, page 16 um, outlines our IRSD Remote Academy. Uh, again, we provide a sample schedule uh, for our families. Again, that's just a sample, but we provide opportunity for real-time interaction with staff, teachers, and also self-paced completion for whichever cohort you're in, whether it's A, on Monday and Tuesday, or B, on Thursday and Friday as well as the online interventions and resources uh, for the remaining week when you are not in session. Our hybrid model, which is outlined on page 17. Again, uh, this would be under the proposed plan, a slow roll-in. The first three paragraphs talk about our roll-in process, which was discussed uh, at the start of our meeting this, this, this evening. Uh, again, we provide a sample schedule for students on the hybrid model uh, as, as outlined there uh, on page 17. Again, students would receive in-person instruction under this hybrid model for their two days that they're assigned to the building, and then they would receive self-paced uh, instruction for the remaining days online. Any questions with our remote or hybrid models? Jay, I do have one question and I, I should have asked it. Let me get this straight thing. Ask it when we were talking about IEPs. How are we going, and Dr. Brittingham probably can answer this as well, how, this is Special Ed with IEPs within, I uh, gather, our elementary, middle, and high school. How are we going to handle Howard Deanna students? So that's a great question. A lot of Howard Deanna students are medically fragile. So right now we're working with their doctors at this point and the individual IEP team. Um, the Howard Deanna students still have the same options as the rest of our students. 
so they, their families are able to elect hybrid. Um, for the staff at Howard TNS, it's a little bit different because some of those students require, you know, hand over hand, so they'll be in full um, PPE gear as they're providing those services and working with the families. But we will, we will be meeting with each individual Howard TNS family as well because those are the ones that haven't been able to access some of the speech, occupational therapy, physical therapy virtually. So we will be basically paying them back the services that they have missed. So again, that, that could very well be some in the school, some out of the school, some And for the families that are not comfortable with them being around anybody but maybe one special ed teacher at a time, we're gonna do one-on-one -on -one appointments either in the school or in the home if the family is comfortable. And my, when, while you're still there, my other question was, and I was, I don't know why I didn't do it then, but when you say the money for paying after hours for providing the services is going to come from? We, I, have, we have set aside 500,000 from the CARES money. For from the what money? The CARES money CARES that came money. to okay. the district. Okay. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Okay, page 18 uh, discusses our technology for our remote learning. As we learned uh, when we broke in March, many of our households did not have a, a device at their disposal to access our remote learning. Thus, we distributed uh, 3,100 Chromebooks to our families. We developed a procedure for that distribution and um, return. We are prepared to provide that same level of support to our families that do not have uh, a, a Chromebook. Chromebooks are devices that we found the most useful to our families and they are the devices that we're able to support most successfully. We continually work with our internet providers to provide opportunities for families that are in need of internet service. Unfortunately, we are not able to reach every household. Um, with that, we are still providing paper copies phone calls, and working to the best of our ability to try to connect with the families that do not have internet access. And again, we would continue to work through that process with them. Our technology team uh, was ready for to support and troubleshoot any technology concerns that we had. Uh, they are ready for us the fall upon return. Also, we are prepared to train our families uh, through our various platforms and the use of the Chromebook. That was an area of concern that we, we heard uh, last spring, and we want to make sure that our families are feeling as prepared as possible in order to be able to use our platforms and those devices. Again, I'll pause for questions related to technology, um, specifically the Chromebooks or Internet access. Yeah, I have a question. Um, Mr. Cannon? Yeah, um, like for the training, you said for the for the parents, and that was, um, like you said, in in the uh, in March when it first happened, that was a big uh, big to do with some of the parents that you know, a lot of them were technology, you know, wasn't technology savvy. So, is it a way where, how are you, what's the plan for helping the parents to help the kids with the Chromebooks? We've talked about uh, the board did push our start date back uh, a week, and we are appreciative of that because during that week, it'll help our teachers to prepare instructionally, but it'll also help us to prepare our parents 
for that technology. Uh, we are prepared for videos and uh, in-person and also uh, virtual opportunities for the parents to um, learn about those devices. And one, one more question. I know you said um, with technology, um, with the internet services, we can't reach everyone. So the, the, the families who aren't being reached, like are they responding to um, the paper and the, um, you know, basically if they can't get reached with internet, are they reaching out to, to you guys and saying, can we try something else or they just falling by the wayside? I mean, I don't want to say it like that, but. Right. Like with, with, within those first couple weeks, once we start reconnecting with students, uh, we are gonna ask our schools to monitor the students on each caseload, each class uh, assignment, and to we will make individual contacts with our staff to those families that we're unable to connect with during those first few weeks uh, when we reopen. Thank you. Yeah, that, that's something that we have struggled with, with the students that we were unable to connect with, and um, we're hoping that with this roll-in process, we can identify the students that are, are not participating, are not uh, logging in, um, haven't come back for registration, and then make some personal phone calls or personal visits to try to reconnect with those students. Dr. Owens, how did we fare on the 3,100 Chromebooks that we gave out, getting them back? Was there a lot of damage, minimal damage? Did we get them all back? We received a good portion back. I'm looking at Mr. Ruggiero out there. I don't know if he had an exact um, percentage, but I do know he was monitoring that, and we did a, a really nice job. And that's a testament to our families and our schools with um, working to get these uh, back. Obviously, we had some with damage um, where we're passing them out to, to our students, so things do happen. But by and large, I think we recovered uh, many of those. Charlie, do you have a, a percentage? So I would gather that we're keeping track of who did not return one so that when we start this year, they don't go in the same household. Exactly. Okay. For those uh, joining us online that could not hear Mr. Ruggiero, he indicated we received about 90% of our Chromebooks back with about a 3% damage rate. So I would say that's a, a pretty good return um, and able to provide, I'm, I'm pleased that we were able to provide that access to our families. Okay, and I have a question. When these folks pick up the, the Chromebooks the way they do, do they sign an agreement to indemnify the district if those Chromebooks are not returned? There is an agreement that's signed, and uh, the agreement says that they will return those Chromebooks to us once uh, it's time for a return. That's not quite the question that I asked. Will they indemnify us if they do not? I would have to look at our document. I'm looking at Charlie. We spent a great deal of time on that. Charlie, can you? And I know it's a tough one. And we do know who has not brought it back. We have that all reported in the forms. And those people have been contacted. They've been contacted, and we've also uh, made the attempt to disable uh, Chromebooks that uh, have not been returned so that they become uh, We and can do that. Has, and that has returned. Cool. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Dr. Hatter, did that answer your question? Yes, it does. And okay. thank you much, Lee. Thank you. <clears throat> 
Doctor, I have a follow-up question to Mr. Cannons. I'm talking about the students at the end of the last year that kind of fell by the wayside. Has anybody over the summer reached out to those families that we know we had no contact with at the end of last school year to see what their position is currently going into the school year? Instead we'll of trying to play catch up come September 17th, have we reached out now? Right, that was an, an ongoing process in the spring. Uh, I'll ask if Dr. Brittingham again could, could join us there. I know that she was leading the charge and trying to connect with families and that's been an ongoing process since we, we did break for the summer. So what we have been doing is for any student that we completely lost contact with at the end of last school year, we did wellness checks um, working with our resource officers and our social workers to ensure that we laid eyes on the students before the end of the school year. Um, and then we did find that some students moved. For those that um, were supposed to participate in summer program that we could not get a hold of, we did the same thing. Continued to wellness checks all summer and phone calls. As we started sending out surveys for remote learning, we have cross-checked, or for the surveys to choose between remote and hybrid, we have cross-checked those lists and our schools have been calling families very intensely as they got. John and Clayton was the first. They actually got to start three weeks ago with some of our special schools just getting the information as of Tuesday as we work really hard to um, plot the bus routes. So we have been making phone calls, bringing in teams of people, also um, translators as needed to ensure that we reach people in their native language as well. So yes, we are working really hard to make sure we have spoken to or had eyes on a kid virtually. Thank you. Any additional questions before we move into transportation? Okay, transportation, our, depart our transportation department at the district office has been working hard to try to identify students that uh, may want to utilize transportation as we reopen to school. Those numbers are calculated daily and we are working on routes. Uh, I will draw your attention to uh, the middle, the bulleted portion of uh, the document on page 19. Uh, we do, uh, we will follow the DPH reopening guidelines in terms of our buses. And it is one student per seat allowed on the 14 students uh, for the 48, excuse me, one person per seat. And we've identified that with tape on our buses, or will be. 14, that means 14 students on our 48 passenger buses. That said, most of our buses are 72 passengers and we can fit 23 students on those buses. Uh, the seat directly behind the driver will remain empty and all students must wear a mask at all times. We will have masks on the bus available to those families that do not have one provided for their child. Uh, and again, and I, I said this earlier, decals or tape will be used to mark that area of the seat. Students must remain in their seat during the, the bus route. We have strict guidelines related to the cleaning of those buses, including the high touch areas and all buses must be cleaned prior to after each route. Some of our buses uh, do multiple runs. After a run, those buses will need to be sprayed and wiped down before moving into another run. Any questions, I'll pause for transportation. Mr. Owens, do you think capacity is going to be an issue once we start rolling in middle school and high school? 
We do have some concerns whether we'll have enough bus drivers. Uh, that's part of the process we're analyzing now. Um, the slow roll-in will help. We'll be able to see how many students are riding our buses. Um, if we were to try to go with all students right away, we, we certainly are worried about the capacity on our buses. We have encouraged parents, and I believe it's in this document, that if they're able to provide transportation to do so, to limit the burden on our buses. Staying with the staggered start? That's correct. Did you have any meetings with the uh, transportation providers for the district? We did. We had a, a meeting, uh, I guess it's been about a week or so ago, and they had some concerns with um, their ability to, to, to continue with providing staff. They've got some staff that may be vulnerable, so they're surveying those individuals now as well as our Department of Transportation to see uh, the availability of our bus drivers via our various contractors. They are concerned with um, you know, being able to provide the level of transportation that we need, although they're very willing, very interested in getting students back to school and, and utilizing their services, um, but they want to do so cautiously. So as of right now, we do not know for sure, once the whole rollout process takes place, if we will have enough bus transportation for the entire population that chooses hybrid? We do not know 100% at this point, but again, Dr. Brittingham, I, I, she's worked closely with our team with transportation. She'll be able to provide you with some uh, uh, firm numbers. At this point, our transportation team has been working really, really hard. What we have done is we have not taken out any of the kids that have chosen remote academy at this point in time or parent transportation that normally rode our school buses last year before all of this happened. Right now, we, have, um, we are in good shape in most of our schools. Um, we still have a little bit of work to do. North Georgetown, Georgetown Elementary, the Georgetown Middle School complex, um, we were creeping up around 26 or 30 with the max being 22. So in the southern end, we're actually in pretty good shape. Um, in the middle of the district, we're in pretty good shape. Long Neck and East Millsboro have a few that creep up, but once we pulled out the remote academy kids and the kids whose parents are transporting them, we expect them to be okay. We are still working on the Georgetown and George North and the Georgetown complex. Those have always been our high areas. They were our high areas when we went to the three-tiered system. Um, however, our team is committed to working on it, and I do envision that as we keep pulling kids out for the remote or those that are transporting, we will get very, very close, and we may have to add in another bus run in those areas. Thank you, Dr. Brittingham. You're welcome. Dr. Owens, who's going to be responsible for the cleaning and disinfecting of the buses, the contractors themselves? They're going to work collectively with our, our crews at our school. So. so we're going to have some oversight on that? Yes. Okay. So the last section, page 20, outlines uh, the daily cleaning of buses uh, using EPA-approved cleaning and disinfecting products. We will remove all trash, force swept and mopped, high contact areas, disinfected, uh, all bus seats, seat backs, seat belts when applicable, door handles, handrails, and those door operating uh, areas. And uh, uh, of course, we would not allow eating or drinking on the buses. Jay, this also includes transportation for Howard T, because I still don't want us to lose that on Howard T. That's, that's correct. And we do utilize wheelchair buses for that facility and there's some specific guidelines around those uh, individual students as well, and we will be adhering to that. 
that is the entire document. I, I would like uh, Mr. Layfield, if, if permissible, to go back. I do know we had some difficulty uh, having folks log in to begin with, so um, some individuals may have missed the calendar. We can revisit that briefly, so those that were unable to join can see that, and then I'll open it back up to questions. Please do. So again, as we opened, we talked about being in scenario two, our two models that we've gone into in depth, both remote and hybrid, and our proposed start. Again, the slow roll-in of pre-K through first grade in September. As we move into October, we would add second and third grade on the fifth. Again, they're attending on A and B days. B days are Thursday, Friday. A days are Monday and Tuesday, and Wednesday is our complete virtual day. Staff are in school on these days except for Wednesday, where they will be working remotely. As we move later into October 19th, we would add in the remaining elementary students and sixth grade. We thought it important to bring sixth grade in uh, individually, those students, so they can acclimate to the school. The following week, we would bring in our seventh and eighth grade. And on November 9th, we would bring in our ninth grade students. And then on the 19th, it would be our hope to bring in the remaining high school students to complete all students who do elect to come in with a hybrid model. It's important to note that remote learning will occur starting that first day for all students. So they will begin the remote process until they're rolled in uh, with the hybrid model if they have elected that model. I have one more question about that real quick. Yes. With the high school schedule, originally what was talked about was sending the students for one day a week. And in this, it looks like there's two days a week for the high school students, cohort A and cohort B. Is that correct? The high school students would actually be on an A, B, C, D. If you look at the um, 12th and the 13th, those are the cohort C and cohort D students. Then you would start over on the November 16th with cohort A, then B, and C and D would be on the 19th and 20th, respectively. Okay. So yes, the, the high schools would be uh, a quarter of the students uh, on each of their days, A, B, C, or D. Um, and just to reiterate, all students do start on the 17th. Uh, with remote, unless you're that pre-K, under this proposal, under the pre-K and first grade. So they would have that remote option uh, available to everyone beginning the 17th. And when your group, if you've elected hybrid, rolls in based on the current schedule, that's when they would begin that in-person instruction. Again, I'll welcome any additional questions. Mr. Layfield, um, if there are no additional questions, um, I do see um, public comment here from the beginning, but we may need to get uh, the end as well. <clears throat> I think we'll hold, we'll hold off to taking any votes on this till after we listen to public comment. Is there any other, if there's not questions, are there any other statements that yes. any board members would like to make? 
I'd like to thank the administration and all of the people for the incredibly hard work putting this together. Um, the time they spent on it, not knowing where they were going to be coming from and were going to, given the lack of direction from Dover. Um, personally, to me, this sounds like a pretty decent plan. You're starting with those kids that have the least amount of, of issues with it at the moment. And by working them in slowly, we have plenty of time, if there is a reaction of some type, to back out and do something different. All right. This, to me, just makes a fair amount of sense, even though it's an ungodly amount of work for everybody involved. And I, again, I commend everyone for the work that they did in putting into this. Thank you. This has been rough. Thank you. Dr. Owens, I'll reiterate what Doc Hattier said. Um, a lot of work went into this. I'd like to thank all your people, uh, your admin teams, your teachers, everyone that worked together to get this. But I, but I do want to, uh, I want us to take advantage of any fortuitous bounces we can as this thing progresses. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I had expectations for this to be more robust and more of a students back in the classroom. I understand the issues you're faced with as you explain them. However, I, and I feel like several parents out there, working parents are having a difficult time comprehending what's going on this fall. So if an opportunity presents itself, this is a hybrid model. This is within what the governor's allowing us to do. Correct. If the governor or his team decides to open up, then we need to take advantage of it and look at successes. I also would like to, and I'm sure this is being done, but information share. Cesar Rodney School District, Dr. Fitzgerald, if someone has a success story of something that's working, I'd love it to be shared every couple weeks, every month. We need to be working with our partners in the state of Delaware. So yes. if somebody's doing something good, they can brag about it, but they need to share it. Absolutely. So that we can move forward as fast as possible. Right. Absolutely. I think that's, that's well said. But thank you for your all the work your team has done. I'm appreciative, but reading through this, it just, it's a little softer than I thought it was, but I understand why I want us to take advantage of any opportunities we can to get our students back in. The mission is to educate our students. Yeah. And I, this is a way to do it, but it is not to the standard that we've ever been used to before. Understood. It's, it's been our goal all along to try to find a method to get students back in our classrooms. I do know, I understand our community uh, wants students back in. Uh, I do understand there's members of our community that aren't comfortable with that at this time and want that remote model. We are, uh, our challenge and our, our goal is to meet both of those needs with very, very robust plans uh, for our students. Uh, that's been our goal all along and that will, be, that will continue to be our goal. And if we continue to monitor and the governor allows us to bring students in more uh, quickly, we will certainly uh, challenge our team to, to do so. So I understand that and I, I appreciate it. And I do understand that we have uh, our staff. We, we've heard, we've had um, opportunities to hear from, from staff. We've received emails and we have uh, public comments available via our website. And we, we've heard their concerns too and wanted to make sure that their voices were heard as we developed this. We work closely with uh, our uh, IREA president, our UNISERV rep on these committees and they've uh, walk side by side with us as we've developed the plan and try to develop a model that meets the needs as best possible. We're never going to meet everyone's needs with this. We understand that, but it's been our goal to try to find a way to find some middle ground for our community 
for our staff to be able to try to get back to school as best we can. Jay, just explain to me again, <clears throat> and I heard you earlier, for, for the high schools, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, mm -hmm. start in November, mm -hmm. after the first marking, point, first marking period. So are we going, that is then going to operate the same way, four days in school, one day with a cleaning, so we have ninth grade A and B, or do we have so many that we have to go? They'll have their class schedule, so it will be a mix of all grades on the A day, a mix of all grades on B, off on Wednesday, C and D. So whatever students are scheduled for those classes on those days, they would come in as a cohort of A, B, C, or D. Dr. Owens, will there also be custodial staff that will be cleaning on the weekends, on Saturdays, or? We're looking at how we can possibly shift our custodial crews. Right now, we uh, are in discussions of whether we, we want to shift our night crew up a little bit so they're there during the day to assist with some of that cleaning. The buildings will be vacant uh, on those weekend days, so we'll work with DPH to ensure that we have the proper timelines and the proper cleaning. So that is something we have discussed, too. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. One further question, Dr. Owens. Um, for these high school students who are coming back in the second and third week of November, um, when the online survey went out to, if you wanted to keep your students home for the first marking period, or send them the hybrid model. If everything plays out and things go well, and there's no cases, limited cases, then you get a surplus of kids who are now going into the second marking period and say, we want to come back to school. Are we planned for that? Because that's when 10th, 11th, and 12th graders will roll back in that second marking period. The, the survey asked for uh, a decision, and if it was hybrid, you would be scheduled in for hybrid and uh, could certainly pivot to remote if needed, if that's where the comfort level was. In order to best plan, we are going at this on a quarter-by-quarter -quarter basis. So if they have elected to work remotely, they would remain remote. Is your question that if they now elect uh, a hybrid model based on what we've presented if they would want to come in via a hybrid model. Yeah, because it'll be two months into the school year and if things are going well, the 10th, 11th, and 12th graders don't start to the second marking period. And we only ask the public for the first marking period to commit to the at-home learning. Our, our team would certainly evaluate that. I wanna provide an open opportunity to our families and if our schools are able to accept students in I want to be able to provide that. So we may need to provide an additional survey. And we said we're going to assess at the end of each marking period anyway. Any other questions or statements from the board? Hearing none, we can move into public comment if you would like to. Yes, I, I only see one at this time. I know Dr. Carey is here. Are there any additional that have signed up, Dr. Carey? Okay. Uh, Linda Toplica? I will say um, we have typically three minutes for our public comment. Thank you. I respectfully wish to thank you for the time that you give to this position as board members for Indian River School District. 
and for the opportunity to address you. I'd also like to address the recent choosing of your board leadership by secret ballot. It's incomprehensible to me that you did so against your own attorney's advice, according to the newspaper. Regardless of tradition or your personal preference, that vote should have been held by roll call. I believe since you've been voted into this position, you're not considered personnel and you're not entitled to secret ballot officer voting. If you're not willing to be transparent and abide by the Freedom of Information Act, I am perplexed as to why you ran for this position. Furthermore, I can't think of a valid reason for a secret ballot except to play politics. Another district school board was reprimanded by the Delaware Attorney General for using secret ballots as it subverts the requirements of the Delaware Freedom of Information Act. And given the horrible state of our national situation with politics, it's troubling to me that even our own local people, our friends and neighbors, won't be transparent and assume responsibility for their actions. I applaud Superintendent Owens for recommending a verbal vote. You're not making decisions for yourself on this board. You're making them for students and for the people who provide the funding for this system. Every action you take in this position is about our kids. I believe there's still an air of mistrust of the school board as evidenced by the number of times that it took to pass a referendum. And it's most likely furthered by your recent action. We have serious issues to address during this pandemic. I believe it's incredulous that a roll call vote is the issue on which you choose to draw the line. Would you like it if your elected officials in Dover and Washington had secret ballots? And I'd like to leave you with this question. How can you expect your students and staff to follow the rules when you don't set an example? Thank you. any other public comments is there any communication between those on the zoom and present here this evening I don't know if mr. Ruggiero there's um, any information we want to share Yes, yeah, so today we did provide an, uh, an email uh, address for any folks that do have questions or comments. And now that the plan uh, has been made available, that outlet will remain available. We will uh, collect any emails uh, that are provided and they will be shared with our board. Okay, no further public comment this evening. I apologize for those that are in the chat room and had an expectation for us to be able to read those, but it, uh, it's difficult by going in person and also zooming out to the chat room. So that's something we'll, we'll work on 
providing more of a service to our public in the future. With that, do we have any motions on the reopening of schools this evening? I'll make a motion we accept the uh, superintendent's recommendations. Motion made. Is there a second? Second. Motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? I do have a question. I have a, this question on there. If we have that hundred and some chats on there that are concerns and people weren't here, should we not, in the best interest of the district, hear those before we take a vote? Should their questions not be able to be answered, I guess, before we actually take a vote on it? Those monitoring, is there uh, any trends that you can see of, of questions that we could, um, we could share potentially? And I'm not asking that be read tonight. And I, you know, and I, I know it would probably call for another meeting, but is it not in our best interest to hear if there are some concerns that we haven't addressed that we may not have thought about? If I could speak, um, there are chats rolling in every couple seconds. Uh, it would be a little bit hard to pull them on the fly uh, right, right at the moment. Uh, Dr. Owens, I know you have your uh, Zoom on so you can see those chats, but um, it's going to be a little bit hard to, uh, to do that. Unfortunately, I've been monitoring. We've had over seven or almost 700 participants, which is <laughs> way more than any board meeting um, to date uh, online. So we did not expect that, and I apologize. Uh, Personally, for anybody that couldn't get on in the beginning, we had to uh, buy more licensing on the fly with a uh, credit card. <laughs> so, thank you. We can certainly monitor that, uh, acknowledge what questions we're getting, and uh, respond to those. Uh, we do have a frequently asked question document that has been uh, developed, so we can continue to, to monitor that um, and, and respond accordingly. If there's something that we feel would impact the plan, we can bring that back. We do have a board meeting on Monday. The reopening of schools is indeed back on uh, the agenda then. Um, however, it does delay our ability to roll out um, our plan and continue to work with, with the understanding of what the board agrees uh, for our plan. Dr. Germs? Okay with President no Union speaking on public comment? I have no issue. I think he represents a large portion. He's welcome to speak if he's able, if we're able to contact and let him to participate. We do have a motion on the table with a second. We would like to move forward or withdraw that motion. We, we have it on the table. Let's see what JR has to say and then we can further discuss this.
JR, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, there you go. All right. Um, first off, I want to say that um, this plan, um, IREA, uh, was a part of this um, this plan, and we were in on all the district committee uh, meetings all summer long. Um, I was in constant contact with Jay Owens. Uh, we would talk at least two times a week, not counting the three meetings each week that we that we were in. So I'm, I have to thank him for being so open and available to questions um, around my schedule, um, which were often 10 o'clock at night when I would be calling him and talking to him. But um, there are many moving parts to this plan. Um, and that's to be expected with the size of our district and the amount of kids that we have and parents and just the diversity that's in the district. But that also lends itself to a lot of questions. Um, IREA has submitted over 85 questions um, that we haven't got a direct answers to, but I'm hoping that once this document is released that those questions are answered um, in the document. Um, so I did have a couple of questions that I felt needed clarified. Um, you know, I was asking about um, employee childcare. Um, and I know that that's something that other states and districts were looking into. I'm hoping that our district is looking into that because we have many employees that have children that go to our district and we know that the uh, child care facilities around are filled so we're running into a problem with what do the employees do with their children um, it's not going to be um, expected that they're going to be able to be fit into um, child care for this time period as we're rolling this in um, and i know that there's no quick answer for that but it, there's a possibility to adapt or adopt some of the other um, states or county programs that they have in place. And I have talked to the committee about those. So hopefully they'll take a look at those. Um, also, the, there's a lot of questions around the remote academy. Um, who's going to staff it? How many is it going to be the teachers that are in the classroom who also have to teach at the remote academy? And I know there's some answers out there um, to that. Um, but there's plenty of workload already to go around. Um, so I think that that needs to be uh, looked into and explained to us a lot more. Um, there's another um, issue out there for a lot of teachers that don't feel safe to come back, but don't meet the ADA um, accommodations requirement. And I know that um, Celeste is looking into um, a good cause option for teaching remote to for the teachers that uh, may um, have somebody who is, has underlying conditions back at their house or they are um, have other reasons. So I'm just wondering the process that's going to be used to find out if there are good cause options open for teachers who do not feel safe returning to the building. Um, the staggered start was a change from, you know, that we talked about. Um, it's definitely drawn out a lot more. Um, and I've, my question to there is going to be about why are we um, starting pre-K K and one? Should we also start grade six and nine at the same time? So that way the roll in or phase in is going to be much shorter. Um, and I'm sure there's reasons around transportation and, and everything with that, but we have a month that we could be working on this. Um, also, the survey that went out uh, did not address a lot of the, 
the questions that the staff were asking. And I'm hoping that now that this document is out into the pub or out into the public, hopefully it will be released to the staff. And a lot of those questions that the staff had could be answered. And then we could form some sort of survey and send it out to the staff to see how they feel about the plan. And I know that we didn't want to have a, a opening committee that had a um, hundred people on it, but now we're going to have, I mean, I see 640 participants in this meeting alone, not counting the people in person. So now we have a lot of minds that are going to start to work. So I think there's areas that, um, that need to be looked at to add to and make this plan um, better than what it is. And I, and I know that a ton of work went into this plan and a lot of time and a lot of effort and the committee that, that was put together, I can say for sure that the CDC guidelines were at the top list on that every single meeting. It was the CDC guidelines and the DPH uh, recommendations. So I just want to know, you know, hopefully we're going to look at this plan and discuss some of the other things that can be um, added to it or adjusted uh, to meet the needs of not only the teachers, but if the student needs need to be addressed also. Um, and we also, you know, and, and hopefully this will be released because we have an all-member IREA meeting on Friday morning at 9 that I would like to have a lot of these questions answered by hopefully the people that can read the document before then. And that way we can um, generate any more information that needs to be given to the district. And that's all I have. But I do want to thank the committee because I, I'll tell you, there's definitely a commitment to safety when this plan was put together. And that is 100% was a 100% top priority um, when this plan was put together. I can attest to that. Thanks. Thank you, Jared. I think it's valuable to have uh, to conclude public comment with a representative from the uh, union. With that, we have a motion made and seconded on the table. Still remains. My concern, and there are some valid questions. At this particular point, I think any plan that we come up with is going to be contested by a large number of people. Mm -hmm. There are some that are going to be happy. This is basically being done within the constraints of what the governor is allowing us to do, like it or not, and there are going to be unhappy people. I'm like you, uh, Mr. Layfield. I would have been happier with something a little bit quicker, more aggressive. Okay, however, with the hysteria surrounding what we have here, given what is actually going on, there are a lot of people not comfortable with it, and there's going to be a problem one way or the other. If we have to modify this as we go along, I say yes. But I think the longer we delay, the less opportunity we give the teachers, we give everybody in order to get a coherent plan going and to make it work. And that is my concern. It's already been pushed up to the limit. The governor waited forever to even give us the guidelines on this, and then expects the school districts, as the state usually does, to come up and pull their buns out of the fire. And I've, I have a, a great problem with that. I think this is something that's workable. Um, the question was asked, why not sixth and ninth graders? Well, right now, the safest group for the kids is below a certain age group, and that's kindergarten through, uh, through second or third. Okay, that's what virtually every piece of research is telling us. Sixth and the ninth could be more problematic. If we phase it in, at least we see what's going on. There's at least one other district I understand that is simply bringing everybody back, period. 
And it's not about the number of cases of COVID, it's like the flu, people get the flu. 800 kids nationally die every year from the flu, and we don't do anything to protect them or their elder parents. This year, as of June, 31 kids have died from the China virus. That is an incredible difference, and for the flu, we don't seem to really care, but for this, we do. So I think that if we make a, an effort like we're doing now, personally, I think it's probably the best that we can do. And I know there are people who are gonna disagree with me. I, I get that. Um, it's the way it is. But the longer we wait, the more difficult it's gonna to be to make a success of this thing in anything we try to do. And that, oh, I'm sorry. I, that's kind of where, where I stand. Um, no matter what decision we make, this isn't, uh, nobody, this, this virus didn't come with a plan. But, you know, as I, you know, as I was saying today, as uh, like Dr. Hattier said, nothing, nothing we do, it, it's not about a right or wrong thing. It's the best thing for our district, the best way. And um, as Dr. Hattier said, uh, we, can, we can modify it as we go along. But I'm not saying don't listen to the public because we care about our public. We care about our kids. We care about our staff. We care about our community. But the longer we hold off, is stopping us from progressing and moving forward. And not saying we don't care what other people think, you know, on the, on the, you know, the computer and on Zoom, but at, at, after a while, nothing we do, every, no one's gonna agree. You know, us around this table, all of us got different, different family members and different things that we've already seen, but we're trying to make the best decision that we have to make, and, and it's not a right or wrong thing, it's the best, safest decision, and I think that you guys did a good job at doing your, doing your best at what you can do and, you know, that's all we can do. Any further discussion? Jay, I would just ask one other question. With the, layout, the, the way we have it laid out now, if in the first two weeks, three weeks, somewhere in between September the 17th and the end of the first marking period, that we see that there is no increase no issues do we have to wait until that second marking period to bring the so that we start full-fledged or can we have a discussion and say that if in two weeks we don't see any eight breaks or three weeks or whatever the first month that we move forward i will keep this uh topic obviously on each board uh, agenda so at our end of September agenda, I can give an update on um, where we are. Because that would be a calendar change, we're looking at a calendar and how we would roll students in. I would ask that the board does come back together for that level of decision, but I will certainly give an update on everything that you've asked, and then we can reevaluate whether things can be adjusted and students can be brought in at a more rapid rate. Clarify that for me, sir. You are saying that we're okay if we vote on this and move forward with this plan and an opportunity presents itself to start sixth graders, to start ninth graders before the schedule, if that opportunity presents itself, the board can vote on it and we can move forward different than what this plan is if opportunities present itself. If the board elected to do that right now, the, the plan that we've laid forth is one that I've gotten input from the entire team uh, from that reopening committee as well as our administrative team they feel very comfortable with this as it's laid out now. I will provide that update. And if the board elects to 
change that calendar I can, and wants me to bring back other options, I certainly can do that at a, at a future board meeting or a special board meeting if we wanted to call one. I won't speak on behalf of the board, but I'll speak as this board member that spoke to several parents. We would like to get as many students back into school as possible. I feel that the younger age groups in each one of our different campuses, elementary, middle school, and high school, we should sharpen our fangs a little bit and try to get those students back in school as fast as possible. The motion made and seconded. Any further discussion? I do have one question. Is there such a thing as COVID leave if a teacher tests positive or is an employee? How's that gonna work? I'm, I'm sorry, it's a little difficult with our mask on. Did you say COVID? If, if a teacher or an employee, any of the staff would test positive and then they would be quarantined or whatever for 14 days, is there such a thing as COVID leave or will they be using their own leave or how's that gonna work? Our HR director, Mrs. Bunting, is here. Could you approach the protein, please? As she's approaching, I will say that we, we do continue to receive updates from the governor's office, and we must remain within those guidelines that are set forth and the phases that we are within. So right now, again, we're in phase two, which affords us the opportunity for that hybrid model with those guidelines as we've set forth today. So that would be something we would certainly need to monitor as well along the way. Under the Federal CARES Act, there is COVID leave. It's a 10 workday leave that's afforded to staff members for a variety of reasons. If they are positive with COVID, if they've been told to self-quarantine, you know, per the DPH guidelines. Some of the concerns that have been brought up to our, from our staff is what if I'm exposed multiple times or I'm exposed at home and it exceeds the 10 days. At this point, the state of Delaware is looking into some additional days to be added to the federal days. That has not been approved yet. So right now it's at 10 days. Okay. So is it only approved if you are tested positive? No, we follow what the DPH guidelines say. So if, if I am exposed and the DPH um, representative says to me, you have to self-quarantine, mm -hmm. then I would be one that would be eligible under that up to 10 day um, leave. Now if I, let's say I was exposed, but then I tested negative right. and I was given the clear to come back, then I could come back maybe a day four, for example and I'd still have my additional six days. Okay, thank you. Okay, motion made, seconded. No further discussion. All in favor? Aye. 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 Those opposed? No. Mr. Troublefield, can you pull the board? Mr. Cannon? Yes. Mr. Cathell? Yes. Mr. Collins? Yes. Dr. Darmstadtler? No. Dr. Hattier? Yes. Mr. Layfield? Yes. Mrs. Pryor? Yes. Dr. Statler? Yes. Mrs. Wright? Yes. Eight yes, one no. Motion passes by uh, majority vote.
Anything come further before the board this evening? Hearing none, we are adjourned.